Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. May 22nd. It is the May long weekend. It's not our usual May long weekend. It's going to be a a quiet weekend. And this is perfect for the gardeners to be sort of planning. And we're planning to plant. Yes, if you haven't already started, it's a perfect opportunity to sort of tweak those gardens. Choose in our minds what colors of flowers that we want and maybe what styles of flowers that we want. It's the day that it's a quiet weekend just to plan to plant. The day looks like it may be dreary. It may seem somber. But as the earth takes a rest, rain is welcomed. It will cleanse. It will bring us hope and life. So today's poem is The Rainy Day. The hills are smothered in a fog. The sky is somber gray. The rain is coming in a mist. A cheerless rainy day. To me, the trees are weeping with their branches drooping low. Their tears are steady falling with heavy drops, yet slow. The birds are all silent, and not one sweet silvery note re-echoes through the forest from our feathered songster's throat. Not one thing to break the silence save the raindrops as they fall. As I watch the clouds roll onward or climb the mountain wall. And somehow I feel so happy, though the world seems full of pain. So I let my gaze go farther when the sun will shine again. The trees and flowers and grasses, they will all fresher seem. And the laughter will be louder from the rippling mountain stream. The birds will sing far sweeter than they did in days gone by. The air will be fresher and of bluer tints sky. We all do love the sunshine. We love the moonlight too. We also love twilight and the falling of the dew. But I never growl or grumble. Only this I wish to say, that this world would be a desert without you, O rainy day. Happy May long weekend to you all, and I hope you're all anxious to get into the garden. I think that there is a brighter green to the leaves today. I must admit I woke up quite early and came into the centers just to get prepared. But as I walk through and I see outside on my walk with Pepper, our cat, it is brighter. The cells have brought up, and the importance of having that moisture in the ground is that now the trees, the shrubs, and soon our plants will be able to draw up the nutrients with that liquid into their cells and open up and get glorious and green for this for the upcoming season. We have a caller on the line. We're going to go right there. Good morning, Susie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And where are you calling from today, Susie? Winkler. Well, good morning, Winkler. I hope you guys are getting some much-needed rain out there. Yes, beautiful rain. That's good. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Well, last week there was somebody calling about the maggots and their onions. Yeah. And I have found that if you do companion planting, that you plant your carrots and your onions, 
side by side, make your rows only like about eight inches apart, and uh, then the carrot greens, they just hang right over the onion rows. The insects that like the onions, they don't like the carrots, and the insects that like the carrots don't like the onions, so it keeps them safe. Oh, that's a, you know what? There is a lot of thing that there is a lot, and a lot of people do look at companion planting for putting things in. So that's actually very good. Crop rotation also really works with it as well, and also too, uh, maybe sometimes um, there is a cloth that you can put on when you're originally planting your bulb to prevent the fly from coming in on some of the maggots that's on it. So yes, uh, I'm a true believer that. By using crop rotation and planting companion plants would be a good thing. And carrots is really good. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Have a great day. Bye-bye. And it is. It's like, what do we plant with what and with, you know, there's always that rationale. And also crop rotation. Crop rotation, uh, we know with uh, farming and, and with the vegetables, that's a very important portion of it to do because not only uh, it's like putting beans, like rotating your beans and getting some nitrogen put into the ground, there is a purpose of changing not only and adding amendments to the soils, but rotating the crops allows for certain plants to put nutrients back into it or going through and and just changing things up a bit. It is important that's in it. It is a beautiful rainy day today. It's kind of time to relax and sort of see what's out there. Yeah, it puts a different pace on being in the garden, but we have to remember the moisture and we've been sort of reminding people too that the evergreens and the cedars all need it and our large trees because we know that the water level has been really, really low And this all allows the intake. It's like us sort of saying, you know what, we're really thirsty. We're going to pull up the moisture and have a nice long drink. This is important for our plants. It's also a time, too, to sort of look at some areas of the garden that maybe you have an assessment of some plants that may not have survived the winter. And this may be also because, A, look for areas that maybe are too dry of spots, you can have some areas where when you're planting certain perennials that they like those areas that are damp all the times. Maybe at the end of downspouts or areas that are low-lying areas of the yard. So you're always targeting whether you go, okay, when it does rain, this area gets a lot of moisture. Maybe we should plant willows there or eupatorium or something that loves that moisture for when it is in high water season. So that's another conversation, right? More gardening. Let's go right back to the line. Elsie's on the line. Good morning, Elsie. Good morning, Cara. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are, and uh, where are you calling from today? Beauxjeux. Beauxjeux. Well, hello. Good morning, Beauxjeux. Did you guys? <laughs> it's did you raining get, here. Oh, did you guys? Like, I, I follow a couple of little garden uh, clubs here, and some people were saying that their rain barrels when they attached them to the house, were overflowing, where some people said they only got three centimeters. So um, I hope you guys got some good rain out there for the crops. Yeah, we needed it badly, really. Yeah. Anyway, I have a, a tropical plant I've had for a while. It's a massangina or something. 
like dress a mass uh, masanga cane it's a drug D-R-A-C-A-E-N-A fragrance. Okay, it's, yes, you have, yeah, you have a Dracaena. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it, it, anyway, it's got brown on the tips. And I don't know what, when I bought it, it was a, a fairly healthy, and I, I don't know what I've done wrong that it's turned, it's doing that. Okay, so Dracaena fragrance, it, it belongs in the, um, um, it's in your uh, Dracaena cane. Some uh, it, now it's sometimes called as a corn stalk. Does, so it, does it have the large woody stem that's on it? Pardon? Does it have a thick stem? A thick woody stem? Thick uh, stem. It's it's like a corn stalk. It has a woody stem that comes up because there's different types of Dracaena uh, plants that are in that capacity. But normally, oh. when we see uh, brown tips that could indicate uh, watering uh, scheduling issues or low humidity. So if you have an area where your house is low of humidity, maybe misting the leaf structure of your plant will help to increase the humidity around them. Um, Is it planted in a pot that has drainage? Yeah, fair size pot. Yeah. Yeah. And it has drainage holes in the bottom, so the water comes out the bottom of the pot? Uh, I think it has a, a, a area in the back bottom of it so that the water can drain down. Okay, Not that's sure. good. Yeah, that's good. The importance, because uh, I know there's some beautiful pottery out there, like pottery is the new big thing that's happening right now because everyone is into plants and houseplants, and they there's so many different trendy types of pots. Uh, not just colors, but there's some, you know, you can get ones with little faces and dogs and there's so many little characters. But the most important thing when we're looking at house plants, it's the moisture that we give them, but we have to make sure that there's a release of moisture because otherwise, how do I say it? If we have a bowl and there's no release of the water on the bottom, if we keep adding water to that bowl and the plant doesn't take up all the moisture, we're just creating a soup bowl. And if it's not a water plant, uh, the roots stay too wet too long. And some of the indications are yellowing leaves with brown tips, or we get brown tips that's on it. So can I ask, are there any yellow leaves, or are they just the brown tips on the very A little bit of yellow and brown on the tips. Okay. So I would check the moisture to make sure, A, uh, that with the corn stalks, most house plants can go quite dry between waterings. So if you're watering, I'd say on a corn plant, uh, corn stalk or dracaena, if you're watering in a house uh, more than once a week, uh, you might be wa- overwatering it too much. It depends on how dry your house is too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, A, when you water it, Make sure you have the excess water that comes off the bottom. Let's start with that. Okay. I I was wondering if I should maybe transplant it. Uh, It says here, as your plant grows, it will shed its lower leaves, which it hasn't done, resulting in a bare stem with a cluster of leaves on top. Droopy yellow leaves are a sign of overwatering. Yep. Yep. They can also be a sign of underwatering because if you, um, in most cases, 
Um, I try and train some of the people here that are newbie waterers that we have. And when we lose lower leaves on certain plants, it's either under stress from underwatering or overwatering. But the thing is, on on in your case, the Dracaena itself, the way it grows, is supposed to lose its lower leaves because it becomes this corn stalk that's on it. If you want hmm. to, I would say, Elsie, if you want to transplant it, it's not going to hurt it. When you transplant it, you're going to transplant it in a size of a pot that is maybe two inches more in size. Don't go big, mm-hmm. big, big. And it's actually a really good way and method that if you can lift it up, you're going to be able to investigate and see what those roots actually look like in the pot. Okay? Yeah. 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 And yeah, if, I think I'll do that. Yeah. If you lift it. I also have a philodendron. I, when I took the slip, it was very healthy. And then when I put it in soil and it's growing, now it's got black in its leaves and holes, some holes. Okay, that could be too. When you're doing the philodendron, you're putting in a, a, a leaf slip and you're putting it into a, a medium to grow, start with a, a very little bit of soil. You don't need a big pot, you need a small pot because oh. I, I always say little plant, little soil because it, it doesn't need all that soil because A, it doesn't have the capacity that if you water that soil to pull up and make that soil dry out so it stays wet too long. So it makes it black on the leaves? Black on the leaves is fungal or rot. So it may, oh. be, it may be rotting a little bit. Okay? Oh. Okay. okay. So Maybe do I'll some... In- pull that up too. Yeah, pull, pull, pull it out. And if you see that, okay, that, that's, that's the thing too. I always like, you know, like some people say my buds aren't opening on my flowers. I say, take an exacto blade, cut it open. Maybe you'll see a bug. There's always the investigation. You could be a sleuth today, like an investigator. Um, if you, on your philodendron, if you pull it out of the soil and you see any white new nodular root growth, then your plant is probably under a little bit of stress because of being in a size pot. Then what you could do is take that slip and put it in a little tiny pot and start off slow and small, okay? Mm, I want to try that then. Yeah, and on your big one, pop it out, take a look at the roots. If they're uh, uh, dry, then maybe we're not giving it enough moisture. But if you investigate the roots, and the roots should be either uh, white healthy if you see black or partially mushy soft roots that's on there then it might be overwatered. Oh, okay okay oh okay. thank you very kindly oh you're very welcome all right <laughs> thank you for your time and have a nice weekend you too hun we'll see you uh well we won't well maybe we'll see you one day but enjoy your weekend yeah, yeah keep well okay you too bye-bye thank you very kindly bye-bye bye-bye You know, gardening takes us everything from outdoors to indoors. There's so many different questions. There's so many different um, sort of rules. But you've also heard me say there's a rule to be broken because there's always a different case scenario, right? Things change. It depends on whether it acts for this or with this. Let's go right back to lines. Wes is waiting there patiently. Good morning, Wes. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. And where are you calling from? Calling from Altona. Altona. And how was the rain situation out there for you guys? Oh, it was so much needed. Uh, yeah, just a blessed rain, about an inch and a half. 
Wow, that is excellent. That's really yeah. good. You know what? Everyone needs a good slow down day to to just let the earth soak up, right? Right. They should get the rest of the seeds up and out of the ground. Oh, that's good. And you know what? As soon as you start the seed, the, when you see those fields start to green up, you know that it's a it's a life cycle. It starts again. It's good. Exactly. I'm yeah. calling about spruce trees, Colorado spruce. Yep. So what I'm noticing the last few years is trees dying off. And what happens is the tip, now these are transplanted trees anywhere from 5 to 12 feet tall. And they were transplanted when they were relatively small, like 3 to 5 feet. And it seems like the tip will bend over. Uh, they'll start to get a dull color. Um, it looks like the tip is getting deformed. It'll bend down or bend to the side and then go up. Mostly it just bends down. It, it gets a dull green color. Needles start drying up and falling off, and eventually the tree dies. So I'm, I'm losing like a dozen to this every year, and I'm just wondering what could be causing that. Some people tell me it's drought. Others tell me there's an insect doing it. Uh, no one really seems to know. Okay. There's a few different things. Now, are you lifting and – okay, let's back this up a bit. Do you lift and harvest the trees and it's the ones that you're freshly harvested or is it a year or two after you harvest that this is occurring? Oh, you know, it's usually a couple to several years after. Okay, because the spruce trees themselves, uh, it depends on, uh, there's there are a couple diseases that are out there that affect trees. Uh, there's a set of sporo that affects on some of the spruce that's happening. There's also spruce budworm that could be on the new growth. And if it's just on the new growth portion of it, uh, you can investigate that by looking at the casings of your spruce um, when they start to have that brownish papery. Well, it's more casing. than just the whole, uh, the new growth is pretty much the whole tree. Okay. Okay. But, uh, you know, I mean, your program doesn't lend itself real well for that, but I'd love to send you some pictures so that you could see what these trees look like. Yeah, you can send, you know, send us some trees and we'll, or some pictures and we can definitely look at it. But spruce themselves too, uh, when you're transplanting, let's just again back it up because I'm just thinking of all the different scenarios this could be, is spruce themselves too in a situation where they're planted, they like to have moisture, like all, all plants, but they don't like to be planted in swales where the moisture stays for long periods of time. Right. I, I'm aware of that. Now, these okay. have been planted on a fairly high area. It's okay. a medium sandy clay loam. Uh, it's definitely not too wet, and I have been watering them uh, when they're transplanted and then sometimes the next spring as well. But uh, what what email should I send those photos to? You can send it to the, it's called the, the Lawn and Garden Journal at goldenwest.com. I think that's right. Eva, maybe, or uh, Sasha can help you on this one. Uh, I think that's the one that's been changed to. And they would forward it to me at St. Mary's Nursery. Okay, so the Lawn and Garden Journal at goldenwest.com. Yep. I will send that to you, Carla, and I think probably before we guess and think about it too much, if you had a look at them, you'll have a much better idea. Okay, sounds great. We'll look forward to seeing those pictures. Thanks for your help, Carla. Okay, you're very welcome, Wes. Have a great long weekend, eh? Thank you, and you. Okay, bye-bye. There are so many different things, and usually when we see that there's a plant under stress, 
Um, and this is probably in a concurrent couple of years when we see that there is a dryness and there is a, a lowering of the water table. You have to remember that the, the structure of a lot of these trees uh, is how their rooting system anchors into the ground. Some of our large uh, trees have tap roots that go straight down and have the capacity to go even deeper into uh, areas, whereas cedars are, cedars and some evergreens are very shallow rooted. They almost look like a, a, a messy hair day if you've ever dug up uh, some cedars or if you've tried planting some gardens uh, cl- or some raised beds or gardens close to where you have some cedars and junipers and globe cedars. It almost seems that you get this encroachment of their meshy kind of rooting system into the gardens. So you know that some of these are very shallow, so the capacity for them to take the deeper water from the ground is much harder. That's why we're always saying just give them a little bit of a moisture that's on there. But when we're adding that moisture, we also have to remember that they like to be drained away. Because, again, just a little comment, um, with anyone that's adventuring into planting uh, some new spruce and that kind of stuff, I always like to say uh, plant them high, kind of like a pitcher's mound. Okay, we're all going to go to baseball, how the pitcher stands on a little bit of a mound. And spruce trees like to have a little bit of a slight lift to them, not like a tree where we do a ring well around them where we are holding moisture on it. They like to have the water drain away from them, and they do much better. And as we know, a lot of plants, when we first plant them, uh, because it is planting season, everyone, plants will self-settle themselves, whereas... Okay, with trees and shrubs, we say leave the root ball to the surface of it exposed to the original level. Do not put more soil on top. Uh, there's always that on some trees, there's always a way that you look at the trunk and it goes straight down. And all of a sudden you see that little knuckle or that little flare that comes out to the side. Some people have the tendency, and I'm going to waggle my finger, do not put soil around that trunk to make it look like it's perfectly straight. That little knuckle that bulbs off to the side, that's your first primary root. That's the portion of it that loves to be above the ground. We don't want to sink that lower because that's the anchor that says, this is the height that I should optimally be at so I can give you the best performance. So if you're planting a tree and a shrub in the next few weeks, just remember, keep the level at the top and let the tree self-settle itself. A lot different than annuals. As I look outside the window here, the rain is just gently as a mist. It's kind of nice that's in there. It kind of makes you kind of have a cozy kind of feeling. Put on a little sweater and sort of enjoy that rainy day. Maybe pull up some gardening books and get the plan going. Now, we're going to take a a caller because I think Betty's there. So, good morning, Betty. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? You know what? It's kind of a, it's a different pace day. I, you know what? In, a, in the life of a garden center in the spring, it's kind of nice to be able to take a, a spring day to assess and where we can move things out, put a little, uh, if I can say, spit and polish into what we do. We like to keep things neat and tidy and organize the plants. So it's a nice breather. And I think that's what rain gives to us is a nice breather. How can we help you today on the Lawn and Garden Journal? I have a hibiscus that uh, is losing all its leaves. Every time I water, the leaves turn yellow. 
and uh, then they drop off. Okay. How old is the plant? About two years. Sorry, say that again? Six years? Two. Two years. Okay. And um, you're, you have it planted in a pot that has drainage with a saucer underneath to collect the water? It has, the, the pot itself has, has a reservoir at the bottom. The drainage holes on the bottom. Okay, perfect. Okay, because hibiscus, we know um, just to let our other people that are visiting us and having coffee and learning about gardening with us, hibiscus are tropical plants that we could put outdoors, big, beautiful flowers, and mm-hmm. they like the full sun. Can I quickly ask you, what color is it? Yellow. Oh, yes. You know what? Yeah, you know what? Yellow is so cheery at this time of year. I love it. Um, so with hibiscus, though, they uh, they like moisture. They are one of those plants that take up a lot of moisture at the time. So make sure when you're watering your hibiscus that you're evenly watering the entire pot. And uh-huh. okay, so here I go back to training newbie gardener waters that I have on staff. So we're saying, if my cup is eight inches, I'm going to fill it with eight inches of water. You know, like if it's one cup, eight ounces, sorry. I'm going to give it eight ounces of water and make sure that that water drains through and let it sit in that water and absorb it up as much as it can and then drain off the excess water. Hibiscus, though, likes a little more water and you'll find that if it's any extra water sitting in the reservoir, it usually will soak it up because hibiscus, hibiscus can either grow as a plant on the side, but we also see that hibiscus can grow in a water plant capacity if it's grown in that area. I suspect um, because hibiscus are prone to spider mites, uh, if you look on the undersides of your leaves, if you see any type of webbing or a slight dusting, almost like a, almost like a, if you were making buns and you dusted the, the counter with some flour, it would almost look like on the undersides of the leaves. Okay. Okay, so, I'm looking. I don't see anything. You don't see anything? Okay. So if it's nice and clean, so I'm going to give you a thumbs yeah. up on that because hibiscus are notorious for uh, for uh, spider mites that are on there. I think it's probably to do with maybe the watering capacity. And if mm-hmm. you're, make sure you're watering the entire root ball, not just half of the root ball, because if it, you're only giving it enough water for the half of the root system, it's not getting enough. Oh, and, okay. um are you feeding your plant? I did, yes. Okay. So with hibiscus, a little bit of 20-20-20, an all-around fertilizer is good for it. Because remember, our house plants now are in active growth. Our sun candles, which is our light levels, are climbing high. We're not, we're not far from June, from June, which is the highest solstice of our sun. So they are mm-hmm. actively growing. So we should be feeding them and making sure that they're watered well. If there is still some yellowing, Betty, sometimes there is a remedy that we can do so that um, with some plants, if they don't have all the nutrients in their leaves, they will cause a drop that's in there. You, If you have any iron chelate uh, lying around or in your garden shed, I wouldn't mind if you did a little iron chelate to green up the leaves that are on there. Um, mm-hmm. The only other thing that I could probably say is... Uh, I know that we've had some cooler evenings coming forth, and 
Maybe I should have asked, how long has it been dropping its leaves? I didn't get the question. How long has it been dropping its leaves? Has it been dropping the leaves since February or just recently? Oh, this is this has been going on for about a year now. Okay. I think it's it's probably needs to be fed and probably it that kind of probably is maybe the watering uh watering habits okay. and feeding. So try and get oh. it on a regime of watering habit and f- regular feeding of your plant and see if that improves it, okay? Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Have a good luck with you. Yeah, okay, you too. Enjoy it. And enjoy that hibiscus. The hibiscus family's right now. Bye-bye. Okay, we'll see you later. Bye-bye. The hibiscus family and a lot of ornamentals, we're seeing that because we have the capacity and that that there is, um, people are, okay, we're just going to say it. People are not going anywhere. We're not traveling. So what better way to create this garden atmosphere? And we're seeing more and more tropical, yes, tropical plants like gardenias, uh, jasmine trees, uh, hibiscus being used indoors and outdoors on our patios and our decks. We are, we are creating this green haven so that we have our space to feel warm and cozy and plants do that for us. It motivates us. It makes us happy. Hey, a yellow hibiscus flower just makes you want to smile, right? It's all about the plants, and they make us healthy, and they make us, they feed us, and they make us smile. All right, let's go right back to to the lines. Debbie is there. Hi, Deb. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Are you there? You mean Deb? Deb. Hi. (laughs) It's Deb. De- oh, Dev, hi, how are you? Yeah, how, can, yeah. how can we help from you Glenora. on the line? From Glenora. Can from you hear Glen- me? Yeah, I, it's a little muffled, but I can hear you. Glenora, right? Oh, uh, terrible service down here, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have an evergreen tree that, uh, that, that I guess got damaged. I'm not sure if it went, but anyway, the other branch has come up, and it's three quarters of the way. It's almost as tall as the dead part, but the other part still has some life in it. Do I cut it now or should I wait till later in the fall when it's, when it's going dormant? Okay. So oh. I, I missed that. So part of your evergreen tree it has died and a new leader has formed. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And, okay. The, and the leader is, is actually curled up and almost as tall as the, is the dead part, but the dead part still has some life in it. Okay. But, okay. So I would wait because even when evergreens, uh, when evergreens and spruce trees have that winter kill, whether it's that browning or that desiccant look to them, they'll go an orangey brown, uh, tone to them. And if by chance, like, uh, when you have an injury to a spruce tree where the leader, uh, the original leader is broken or taken off, a secondary limb, will come up or a branch will come up and it will have a little bit of a, what I call a wonky little look, but it's like the geese. The front goose gets tired, he backs up and someone else takes the charge. It's like one of the other limbs of this spruce tree will take charge and say, I'm going to be the leader of this tree to get it growing again. But I would leave it because uh, when you have a spruce tree, you want to make sure that when the bud set opens, and pretty soon the bud sets of the spruce trees are going to be opening, and they open right. up on the previous year's growth. Yes. So, mm-hmm. in essence, 
if that bud set was not killed this winter, you will get the, uh, the added benefit of having new bud set on that growth. And eventually, as that each season goes on, you will have more and more lush green to disguise the browning that is further inside. Okay? Right. So with evergreens, uh, I usually call it the rule of thumb is spruce trees and evergreens and junipers and all that. I call it the Father's Day gift because it's usually you do your pruning and shaping of these after Father's Day around the third week of June. Okay? Third week of June. Yeah, third week. And there's always kind of a little bit of a swing, a, a little bit of a swing time because as we know, this year, a lot of trees are just starting to, you know, open up on their leaves. Do you see a hint that some start fast and some start slow? So if it's a slow season, you want to be able to judge it and look at that, whether the time is off a few weeks or not weeks, a few days or not. Okay. Right. So June, July, uh, or is it August that you should be transplanting at the same time? So uh, tr- trans- transplanting is different than pruning. Yeah. Transpla- no, yeah. Transplanting of your evergreens, you want to, you do not want to do it when there's the new growth is soft. You want to transplant after your new gro- growth has hardened off. Okay. So you're talking October. Uh, yeah. You can do it later or they sometimes do it really, do spruce really early or later. You know, when the spruce, uh, I just, I just love it when the spruce trees open and the new branching feels so soft. You know, the old stuff is all prickly and bristly and that kind of stuff, but the new branching is so soft. You have to wait for that to harden off before any transplanting occurs. All right. I just wanted the next person all right. Okay. Thanks a lot. We had an inch of rain. You had an inch of rain? Oh, well, I hope everyone gets the rain they want. Uh, last week, I was telling everyone uh, here and a few people that I was going to do a rain dance because even here, our fields are so dry. All right. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. You take care. Okay. Thank you for calling in. Bye-bye. We're going to go. And uh, it's just interesting, you know, when uh, it's always like, do we say we're we're never happy with what we got? But as gardener, as gardeners and farmers, when it's sunny, we want the sun. When it's sunny, we want the rain. So I think day by day, you take what we've got. We're blessed with what we've got, and it makes us happy. But it's even a little bit more of a blessing when we do get the rain and the sunshine in combination. Hey, they say this afternoon the rain might ease up, and we might see a little bit of sun. So it's a win-win situation. All right. So when I was talking earlier that with planting, now with annuals, I said to keep your trees and shrubs planted high. I wanted to also remind you because you're all going to maybe be out there. Maybe not all of you yet, but some of you are going to be planting your annuals and some of you are going to be planting your tomatoes and your cucumbers. Now with your annuals and with your tomatoes, did you know that by setting and removing some of the lower sort of leaves or branches or, you know, limbs of some of them, you can sink those deeper to make the plant stronger. And yes, the when you're visiting your garden centers and looking at all those beautiful, pretty flowers and you're undecisive, there is a little tip too that we always say, if you sacrifice a little bit of the blooms when you're planting, 
it starts off by anchoring and creating really good roots. I know you don't want to remove all the flowers, but maybe one or two and help the, the foundation of the good rooting to take hold so you have a glorious garden at the end. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. We learn to grow together. And I'd love to hear all about your gardening woes, stories, trials, tribulations next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.